0: Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Sorry we had some sound troubles this morning, but uh, they they seem to be fixed now. We had a sound system technician here trying to improve the quality of it, and unfortunately, it removed it for a little bit, but uh, we think we got it back, so hopefully that works. Okay, so this slide should look a little familiar. Uh, this is what we looked at last Sunday morning, and last Sunday afternoon, just out of the blue, I woke up with my foot swollen. and. Uh, of course, I walked out to Kathy and said, does my foot look swollen? And you go, know, yeah. Well, we made it through Sunday night. And then uh, by the time we got home from Sunday afternoon uh, service, uh, I could barely get my shoe off. And then we ended up going down to the VA hospital. And thankfully, it wasn't a blood clot, but I did have a blood infection. And they gave me a shot and some antibiotics. And uh, I was doing a lot better, even by the next afternoon, By by Monday afternoon, I was already doing better and walking, uh, not for exercise yet, but walking around, and uh, I appreciate that healing. But Kathy said, the sermons that I preached last Sunday were on the way to the hospital. She said, the messages you preach today should have set you up well for the difficulties of this situation. And, you know, occasionally she says things like, well, my pastor says, and <laughs> but... But it was true. I, I knew I could trust the Lord, whatever, and had a really neat opportunity in the hospital that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Uh, one of the nurses came in to give me the big painful shot that, that ended up helping, and I was grateful for that. But uh, but while he was talking with me, he asked me, man, what were you doing today? Because he's looking, and I told him while well, I was in church this morning and then this evening, and now I'm here. And he said, uh, we got talking about it, and He asked me what I did, and I told him I was a pastor of the church. And then he said, man, I go to church. He's a believer, but he had some questions. And so he hung out in the room making sure the medicine was doing its thing. And we talked for about 20 minutes about the Lord, and I got to help him get past some of the issues that he had in uh, the scripture, things that he couldn't quite reconcile or, or wrap his head around. And so it was a really cool moment, and you know it, it was enough for God to have put me there for that, but we also got to get away from the hospital for a few hours because the tech person needing to do one of the tests wouldn't come in until the morning, so... We got to go see Courtney and Justin, our daughter and son-in-law, who live in Tucson. So that was a blessing to them to see them. So, uh, but while we were there, and I was thinking about this message, and you know, the reason why we have our Sunday school Bible classes, the classes for the kids, for the adults, the the children's church ministry uh, in the. August, we'll be starting up again with our Awana ministry, uh, ministering to kids in our community. And the reason we do all that is so that God can help us mature in Christ. We want to bring people to Christ so they can trust Him as Savior and then help them mature in Christ and grow in Christ. And so the lessons are life lessons, but you can come to church and you can even memorize large passages of Scripture. And if you don't actually put it into your life, it's not helping you. The goal is to take what you learn and apply it into your own life. And I had a firsthand experience of doing that last Sunday. So uh, this morning, the message, the things that we're going to look at, talk about, it can help you make wise decisions in your life, but only if you do the legwork. When you partner with God, He partners with you but you have to be involved in the process. God doesn't force anybody to become spiritually mature, but he gives them the opportunity and he joins with them if they will join with him. So uh, let me lead us in prayer and then we're going to look at uh, many things are more important than money. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your love. We uh, thank you for the folks visiting here today. Uh, both with the uh, Christian Motorcycle Group and also others. We thank you for uh, the family of faith that some folks are able to be back with us who haven't been here for a while, and, and that's a joy. And we pray for those that are out of town or out sick. I got a call this morning from a couple out sick today, and so we just pray that you would watch over them, strengthen them. For those of us who are able to be here this morning or are watching online, we pray that you would stir our hearts. As we listen to your word, may we also listen to your Holy Spirit. May we learn and grow and be encouraged in our walk with Christ. And thank you that when we walk with you, you walk with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're going to look in James chapter 1, and then I'm going to read uh, about a dozen verses or so from Psalms and Proverbs, and then we're going to look in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and then we're going to be in James, back in James 1. But, You don't need to turn to all the passages, just uh, James 1, uh, and then we'll look in the others, and I'll read them to you. They won't be on the screen uh, today. Uh, We do that sometimes, but I didn't today. All right, in James chapter 1, we're doing a series through the book of James. He says in verse 9, chapter 1, verse 9, "'Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation.'" because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Now, he's not condemning all people who have money, but he's condemning those who trust in their money and we'll see that later when we look in 1 Timothy. But we said that Many things are more important than money. And just listen to this list of things uh, from Psalms and Proverbs that are more important than money. First of all, learning God's word is better than earning gold or silver. Learning God's word is better than that. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11, talk about the laws, the testimonies, the statutes, the commandments, the ordinances, the judgments of the Lord, and it says, they are more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Psalm 119, says, the law of God's mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. God's word is better because God's word teaches you how to have a relationship with God. You could be a mega billionaire and not have a relationship with Christ and spiritually you're a pauper. You have nothing without Christ. Secondly, righteous living is more valuable than great wealth. Uh, Psalm thirty-seven sixteen: a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Just having a little is better when you have Christ. Third, having wisdom is better than having lots of money. How many of you know somebody who has a lot of money but they're not very smart? Yeah? How many of you are sitting next to them? No, don't do that, okay? But listen, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. And the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her, with wisdom. Proverbs 8, verse 10 Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Now, I know you've got some young kids here and if they're going to school or they're homeschooled or whatever they're doing for their learning process, I know they'd rather have you hand them 20 bucks than have them teach you a lesson. But as they grow and they mature, hopefully they'll get to the place where they understand That wisdom is better than gold. Learning is more profitable. Uh, Another, it is better to receive a well-spoken correction than a pile of money. Oh, don't you love to get rebuked, to have somebody fuss at you? I like this picture. That guy's got his finger up and she's just grabbing for more money. Uh, Proverbs 25, verse 11 and 12, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. When somebody shares and helps you and gives you guidance, that's more valuable than if they gave you lots of money. Now, understand, he's not talking about somebody who is destitute and without food. That person would prefer money than instruction. But if you have your basic necessities, what you need most is not more money, what you need most is wisdom and instruction. Uh, one last one, an honorable reputation is more worth more than money. Proverbs 22.1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Many things are more important than money. Many things are. So we need to look, if you join me in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we'll look there for a minute, and then we'll jump back to James 1. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, he says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Now notice, you can have godliness with discontent. You can follow the Lord and be unhappy with some of the things God allows in your life or the expenses or your financial solvency. You could be unhappy about that. But he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Now, you don't see it in English, but those two words, nothing, are slightly different. We brought not one thing into the world, and we leave everything behind. The only thing you take with you when you leave this world is your relationship with Christ and your relationship with the people who know Christ and your own spiritual maturity. See, the first nothing is you're born with absolutely nothing. You know, little babies, all they can do is cry and poop. Everything else they have to learn. They can cry and mess a diaper and that's it. Everything else they have to learn. They even have to learn how to eat. Some babies have to be taught how to drink. They, they have to learn everything. But, but when you die and you leave this world, you can take, not, you don't come with a zero when you die. You leave not one thing goes with you. No thing. Not your cool motorcycles, not your cool cars, not your cool toys. It all stays behind. The one thing that the things that go with you are relationship with God and other believers and your own spiritual maturity, everything else you leave behind. Then he adds to that, it is certain we can carry nothing out, no thing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Americans aren't a content group of people. Uh, I remember uh, John D Rockefeller was once asked and when he was a multimillionaire back in you know in the days before billionaires by today's standard he would have been a billionaire and they asked him how much money is enough what do you think he said just a little bit more that's the way people are we want just a little bit more just a little more I was talking with a guy when I was a business executive and a manager and he had another job and he was making lots more money. And I said, man, what do you do with all that money? He says, well, you know how it is, bigger house, bigger car, bigger mortgage, bigger bills. That's just the way it is. Well, it doesn't have to be. You can say this is enough and I'm going to be generous. You look what he says here in verse nine, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That desire for money. Now, uh, for years, about a dozen years, I had the opportunity of participating in a ministry in Cuba. And the Cuban people are really struggling. Uh, Back then, uh, we had a, a friend who was the head of internal medicine at the University of San Hospital, and he was the chief cardiovascular lecturer at the university uh, training center. So he had two big high jobs, and in Cuba, his pay was $30 a month. And you say, well, everything's cheaper there. Well, some things are cheaper there. Musical instruments cost the same there as they do here. There's certain things that are cheaper, but some things aren't, $30 a month. And, and that was all his pay. And so he's this brilliant, dedicated man who loves the Lord. He's serving the Lord. He's helping people. And his son's dream was to be a people hauler, a guy who had a tractor and a trailer so he could haul people from one place to another because he could make more money doing that. While we were in Cuba, one of the speakers there preached against materialism. And I thought, really? Is that a problem here? Yes, it is. What does this verse say? In verse 9, those who desire are those who will be rich. Those who dream of being rich. Those who focus on money, what's going to happen to them? They're going to fall into temptation and a snare. They're going to get caught up in things. I remember when uh, the market adjustment of 2008, sometimes called the Great Recession, I I remember one friend telling me, man, I lost $20,000 in my 401k. It's gone. And another guy told me, he said, I didn't lose anything because I got nothing in there. (laughs) You know, sometimes when you're rich, you fall into temptations, when you want to be rich rather, not when you are rich. There's wonderful gifted people who have blessed others financially, started hospitals and churches and, and what a blessing. But if you have this craving desire for money, You're going to fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. You know, some people will pay thousands of dollars for a pair of shoes that don't last as long, as durable, or as good for your foot as a pair of shoes they could get for a hundred bucks. But it's the prestige of it. They fall into these temptations and they get caught up in this cycle not motorcycle, just clarifying, (laughs) okay, caught up in that cycle of wanting. And then look what he says in verse 10, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not money that's the root of all evil. I remember a Dagwood and Blondie comic years ago when uh, Blondie said to Dagwood, hey, give me some of that root of all evil because I got to go get some stuff from the store. Money is not the root of all evil, it's the love of money that is. Money is a wonderful tool if you use it well. It's a destructive device if you long for it and yearn for it. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, Uh, Verse 17, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. See, money can be a blessing. He doesn't say... Charge them that are rich in this present age to give it all away. He doesn't say charge them that are rich to confess their sin because they got rich. No, sometimes people get rich because they're really brilliant and they design things that are amazing. Sometimes people get rich because they work hard and succeed. Sometimes people get rich because they invest wisely and they get returns from that. Now, if you get rich by scamming other people, that's evil. And you'll answer to God for that. But if God provides financial blessings for you, here's some rules that God has for what to do with them based on what we've just read in Timothy, okay? Um, Money can distract you. Oh, oh, by the way, I I wanted you to look in uh, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. And uh, Proverbs 11:28 says, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish. So there's a difference whether you're trusting in your riches, craving your riches. Uh, somebody phrased it, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it matters how much money has you. And that makes the difference. So here's some things that we can do. When God allows you to accrue money, he expects you to use it to bless others, not just enrich your own life. So first of all, he wants you to give to the work of the Lord. In the law of Israel, established the tithe. That was the first 10%. It was was of their gross income. They gave it to the Lord. And in the New Testament, Jesus continued that saying, you ought to keep tithing and giving offerings, but there's other things that are even more important like taking care of widows and taking care of people and helping and ministering to people. That's more important than money. Um, Secondly, you need to meet the needs of your family. Elsewhere, when Paul's writing to Timothy, he said, if a man doesn't take care of his family, he's worse than an infidel. Now, we had a situation in a church that Kathy and I were in in Texas uh, before I became a pastor. And in that church, there was a, a family that they were really struggling financially And the dad was giving all of his money away to missions. And so the mom came to the church to see if we could help her have shoes for her kids. She couldn't afford to buy her kids new shoes. Well, why couldn't she? Because the husband gave all of his money to missions. It's important to give to the work of the Lord, but it's also important to meet the needs of your family. And when the pastor and I sat down with that man and talked with him about his responsibility to his family, he got mad and left the church and went someplace more spiritual. No, he didn't. He was violating scripture. You can't give it all away unless God has enabled you to do that. If you're a single person and feel led to give it all away, you can do that. But you have to take care of your family. But God said, put him first and then the family. And there's a third area. He'd give to meet needs and bless the lives of others. And by the way, while you're meeting the needs of your family, it includes saving for the future. You don't just get it this payday and disseminate all your money this payday. Uh, you'll be in trouble when your air conditioning dies and it's July and you need a new one. You got to save up for things too. But look what he says in verse number uh, 18 talking to rich people about God who gives us richly all things. He says, let them do good. That they be rich in good works, ready to give or to distribute, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. That they may lay hold on eternal life. We give and we bless other people. And, and, you know, it can be really a lot of fun to give. In fact, the scripture says it's more blessed, a bigger blessing to you to give than it is to receive. And one of the most fun moments Kathy and I had, when uh, we were in Bible school, we were all broke. We were all struggling. Uh, we're working full time. I was working full time, going to school full time. Uh, she's taking care of kids, going to school full time. And and she even was working another job that she could do at home, around it. And it was... A, it was financially a really challenging time for us. Uh, But then I graduated from school. I got promoted into management at my job. And at the school, nobody knew I was suddenly making more money. My my pay raise was a $7,000 a year pay raise, but nobody knew that. They thought we were still struggling like they were. And so we had a blast helping other people. And one time there was a couple, they were really quiet and, and, and we got to be friends with them and they had a specific financial need and, and we found out about that need. And so then we got, they needed 200 bucks and we went to the bank and got 200 new dollar bills, stuffed them in a big fat envelope and sealed it and and uh, did we cut letters out of the newspaper or magazine or something and tape their name on it. I, I, we Either she wrote it with her left hand or we did that and so they wouldn't know where it came from. And then we took it to one person at school uh, and we let her in on it and we let her give it to this person. So so uh, at the end of the workday uh, at the college, uh, this other lady was a student and so the the full-time A worker handed her, oh, by the way, somebody dropped this off for you. She acted like it was enough. Just handed her this packet and the girl started to walk out. She opened it up and she started screaming and she ran across campus and she grabbed onto Kathy and she said, guess what God did for us? You know, that was way cooler than if we had said, oh, you need 200 bucks here. We got plenty. Here you go. It was way cooler to give it that way. I've known people in our church give to help other people in our church. They've done it anonymously. So the only person who knows is the um, contribution secretary, and they know that person gave this money and it went to that person. It's not taxable, of course, but I mean, it's not a tax deduction. Everything's taxable, right? It's not a tax deduction, but, but it was anonymous and they could bless somebody. So give to meet the needs of others. That's an important thing that Paul is telling Timothy. You need to instruct people to do this. Now, by the world's standards, if you're in this room this morning, you're wealthy. By the world's standards, you're wealthy. So what are you doing with your wealth to help other people? Giving to the work of the Lord, meeting the needs of your family, and then giving to meet needs and bless the lives of others. It can be a great blessing. We have the opportunity to fully support a couple of missionaries in Cuba. They're Cuban nationals, fully supported by our church, working, reaching people for Christ. We help support Bible school, a seminary in Cuba, in Chandler, in uh, India. Uh, We we have the opportunity to, to make a difference in the world. And so just give generously. Be generous to help meet the needs of other people. It's not wrong to have a nice car or a nice house. But maybe you should just have a nice car or a nice house not have the nicest car or the nicest house anywhere around. And be generous toward other people. Help and bless others. That's one of the reasons God allowed you to have that money. Now, if you have your Bible with you, jump back to James chapter 1 and verses 9 through 11 where James said, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. What in the world is that? Well, it's a low a believer because he says the lowly brother. So it's a believer, a brother or sister in Jesus Christ. And he said in James 1, 9, let him glory in his exaltation. See, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have asked him to forgive your sins, you have received him as your savior, then you are a child of somebody. Who are you a child of? God the Father. God makes you a, a child of His. He adopts you into His family. So you're a child of God. You're, you're a, a, a son of God, a, a daughter of God. You are a one a part of God's family, and someday you know how great it's going to be, right? You're going to be in heaven and and when God described like the holy city, New Jerusalem and, and, and the streets are paved with gold that's so pure, it's translucent. It's like the old joke about the guy who made a special deal with God that when he died, he got to take something with him to heaven. And so he got his suitcase and he went to heaven, and, and then he met Peter up there in heaven. And Peter said, "Okay, you had permission to bring the suitcase. This is unusual; never happened before. What in the world did you bring in there?" You open the suitcase, and it's filled with gold bars. And Peter said, "Why'd you bring more pavement?" <laughs> See, in, in in heaven, it's going to be di- in heaven. You're going to have every need met. You may struggle financially here but you won't there. So you can glory in your exaltation that you're a child of God and you're going to be with him. Hallelujah. It's going to be great. Then he says something to those who are not struggling financially. Verse 10, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, its beautiful appearance fades, so the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. Now, some people mistake this passage as saying rich people are going to die because they're just hated by God because they're wealthy. It's not actually what it says. See, the, the way you get saved is you recognize your spiritual poverty you recognize that apart from the grace and goodness of God, you are doomed. You will spend eternity in hell apart from the grace and goodness of God. So when Jesus was preaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who spiritually recognize their need in Christ. And you can have a person who's worth a nickel and a person who's worth $5 billion and they come to Jesus the exact same way. They realize their need for a savior, they call on him and they receive the free gift of salvation. So the rich person can only glory in that if he's been humbled and has received Christ as his savior. He can't rejoice in his riches in fact, riches can disappear in a heartbeat. Uh, people have made big investments and then found out that the guy leading that investment group was a fraud. You know, I read something just this week. I shared it with Megan. It was flabbergasting. You, you, maybe, you heard of uh, Lehman Brothers? Lehman Brothers was a big investment firm. And in 2008 and early 2009, in the recession, Lehman Brothers went under. And when Lehman Brothers filed bankruptcy, they were more than $600 billion in debt. $600 billion. And the guy who led Lehman Brothers then sold his house and his artwork worth a combined $38 million and got to keep all that money after he lost everybody else's money. And you know what he did for his next job? Somebody put him in charge of another investment portfolio. Does that make sense to you? No. Thankfully, he's retired now and isn't trashing other people's investments. But, you know, there were were Christians, if you've ever heard of Enron and the collapse of Enron, Enron, four years running, was the number one place to work in America. It was the... The energy sector, highest good, it was winning all kinds of awards and accolades. And four of the six top executives at Enron were professing to be believers in Jesus Christ. And they filed fraudulent papers, and they deceived, and they manipulated. And when the head of Enron was going to court for criminal charges, he died of a heart attack. I expect to see him in heaven. Because he had genuinely, if he genuinely received Christ as his Savior, he'll be in heaven. But what a sad ending of his career. Because he didn't do some of the things God said we should do. Sometimes money can take over your brain. You can be obsessed with it. I was talking with a friend in Tucson several months. No, we were up in Sholo, actually, as several months back a year ago or so. And uh, he was talking about his mom. And he said, it's so sad. My mom is just obsessed with money, obsessed with it. She's making poor spiritual choices because she's so focused on money. Now, if you notice in verse 11, it talks about the sun coming up and the scorching heat. In our desert climate, when's the most scorching heat? What time of day? Yeah, three or four in the afternoon. And yet it says here in the morning. See, they have something that we don't have in the Middle Eastern deserts. And that's called a kadim or kasim wind. That is a scorching heat, blowing wind. It's kind of like you take our big dust storms. And you take that dust storm and add 30 degrees to it. That's the scorching wind that comes in the deserts there. And so last year, Baghdad hit 125 degrees with searing winds. That's what this is talking about that this blowing wind coming out and the flowers, you you glance out, you know, right before daylight, you see there's enough daylight to see them and your flowers look good. And then an hour later, they're just destroyed by this hot, scorching wind. So that's what happens to a rich person who doesn't trust the Lord. Everything they've worked for just dies. There was a really rich guy who died in one town. This is a true story. And and the person went to, a person went to the pastor, and they said, Pastor, how much money did he leave? And the pastor said, all of it. All of it. We all leave all of it. Here's some wisdom that we can get from these verses in James. Number one, we rejoice not because of earthly circumstances, but by reason of spiritual realities. I wish I had written down where I got that quote. I I don't remember who I copied it from. Uh, But even a person without money is blessed if they know Jesus Christ as Savior. They will live with him in glory. So we rejoice not in the earthly circumstances, but by reason of spiritual realities. Remember the illustration of Jesus. He sent his disciples out two by two, right? And they come back. And by the way, nobody knew Judas was the bad guy. Judas was out there ministering and preaching, and people were getting saved trusting Jesus under the ministry of Judas, even though he wasn't trusting Jesus. But they come back, and they're given their report, and they're really excited, and they say something like, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. Do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, don't rejoice in that, rejoice in this. Don't rejoice in your ministry. Don't rejoice in your accomplishments. Rejoice in this, that your name is written in heaven. That's the cause of our rejoicing. Not that you won some lottery and you become an instant millionaire. No, you're on your way to heaven. Going to heaven is worth more than being a quadrillionaire. You'll be rich beyond imagination when you're with the Lord in heaven. The streets are paved with gold. Secondly, we each desperately need a savior. When a person is rich, they should rejoice in their humiliation, their understanding of their spiritual bankruptcy, they're poor in spirit. When they realize this, then and only then can they be saved. And actually Jesus also taught it's harder for a rich person It's easier for a person who has needs to realize their need for a savior. But if somebody has so much money, they don't have needs. They don't recognize that. And for some rich people, it takes a health crisis for them to realize they need a savior. And some go to their grave trusting in their riches and they miss out on heaven. Thirdly, rich and poor alike can rejoice in Christ our Savior. Rich and poor alike can rejoice in Christ our Savior. Let the poor woman, man rejoice. Let the rich one rejoice. We can rejoice in Christ. And what a blessing that you don't get to be a Christian because you give lots of money, because some people can't. You don't be a Christian because you do lots of work, because some people can't. You get to be a Christian because you receive a gift of salvation from Jesus Christ. Everybody can receive a gift. And last, earthly riches have no value in heaven. No value at all. Like that silly story, Peter says, why'd you bring more pavement? There is coming a day when all your money will mean nothing. The earthly benefits of money include social prominence, financial freedom, enjoying a few luxuries. It can actually hinder your spiritual growth. It doesn't have to, but it can hinder your spiritual growth and development. Keep your focus on what is spiritual and what is eternal. Years ago, uh, when I was a business manager. We made a lot of money and we were part of a 401k retirement plan and we put money into that for several years. And then I became a pastor of a church that was really struggling. We felt God leading us there. They'd never had a full-time pastor and it was 27 active members at a quarter million dollars in debt. Uh, it, It was an interesting situation, but we were certain God led us there. And Kathy and I prayed about it. We talked it over and we decided we would use our retirement money to help the church to make it. And that church is still there. It's debt-free. They're still there ministering for Christ. And God used that. Now, uh, did that make it easier for us to plan for retirement? You know, God didn't write us a check to reimburse us for it. But we don't live for success on earth. We live for success in heaven. And God will provide blessings beyond our capacity to fully comprehend when we are with Him in heaven. Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So when you're spending your money, then think of giving to the work of the Lord, taking care of your family, helping other people. Keep your priorities in spiritual order. Don't just focus on getting more money. Many things are more important than money. Many things are. That's why we have an offering box. We don't make a big deal out of it. Some people give online. Some people give in the offering box. Uh, And we just rejoice when God provides and meets needs. We don't recruit funds. We don't call you at home and try and talk you into raising your percentage by half a point. You give to the Lord through victory. And we trust in that. Because earthly money means nothing in heaven. Many things are more important than money. But if you get money wrong, you're the one who loses. I remember what, uh, what uh, I struggle with names sometimes. It just popped. Mordecai was talking to Esther. Remember that? When Mordecai was talking to Esther, Mordecai said, Esther, if you do this thing, God can bring deliverance through you. But if you don't, God will bring deliverance some other way. God will provide, whether you give or don't give to the work of the Lord through victory, God will provide. If you give, He blesses you and uh, you bless the ministry. If you don't give, somebody else will and God will bless them. So keep money in the right perspective. It's a tool that can be used to further the work of the Lord, to bless your family, and to meet needs in other people's lives, if you use that tool wisely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for that salvation has nothing to do with money and everything to do with the blood of Jesus Christ given for us on the cross. We thank you that salvation is a free gift that we can receive. We thank you that we can rejoice forever in our relationship with Christ. And we also thank you that you give us enough money to be able to eat. You bless us richly, spiritually, and sometimes even financially. And we thank you so much that we can trust and follow you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at VictoryArizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing Victory at VictoryArizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.